the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, back again for another week of NRL Supercoach. One week to go before the Round 13 buy. Coming up to Round 12, it's a huge week, but Round 11 was another absolute spanner in Supercoach's lives with another heap of sin beating, some crazy scoring, and just a massive round that I didn't get much part of at all. So I thought it would get on Billy Marion, who also... Probably struggled a little bit without the ter- without the C on Cleary at least. So Billy, you can at least share in my woe this week on on last round's games. Yeah, mate, sharing in the pain for sure. It's even more frustrating when you're uh, projected to be 200 points above everyone else, and then all of a sudden that one piece of crap <laughs> brings you back to earth with a thud. No, two weeks in a row now that's happened to me. Hey, Leo, like I've yeah. started off really well, Damn. and I've actually like been on the score threads and. People who are like, oh, that's a good score, Barnsley. I was like, yeah, I'm really pumped. Hey, I've like nailed the first three games, and then all of a sudden, you know, it starts happening. You know, and you start to go on that slide. I didn't have the C on on Cleary, and I didn't own Turbo, so that killed me. But I still ended up with a good score. Like I was like, oh, I think it was 14:38 in the end, or something like that. So like normally that sounds pretty good, but these days you need like a 1700 to be comfortable, don't you? It's been crazy. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Gone of the Days where 110 is a, a decent score and you can loop 130. You, anything less than 150 now, you don't bother. Yeah, well, it's it's pretty crazy. So, I mean, let's get stuck straight into the pod. Uh, we're going to stick to our normal format that we've been doing the last couple of weeks where we're going to be going through a trade segment, uh, which will start off with a bit of strategy review. And then we'll be going to all the players for trading. So that includes our farming segment, our gun segment, the bargain bin and the pods. And then after that, we'll go into the TLT roundup, which will be a quick roundup, looking at C and VC options mainly, and also mentioning our Top Sport bet of the week, because Top Sport is an important partner of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast, so I do need to mention them right now as well. Uh, they are 100% Australian-owned bookmaker too, which is fantastic, but even more fantastic is that they often have best odds in the market, especially for NRL. So if you like betting NRL, uh, definitely give Top Sport a go, but do so responsibly if you are going to gamble. They do also have some other great sporting odds as well. I love the NBA myself. NHL playoffs are happening at the moment. MLB is under full swing as well. And, of course, you've got those other codes that we don't want to talk about, but you can maybe throw a sly pineapple on too. So Top Sport's a fantastic uh, betting agency to jump on. Do it responsibly, but if you're going to create an account, use the promo code SC All Stars. If you use the promo code SC All Stars, they'll know you're one of our listeners and they'll take really good care of you. But other than that, let's get stuck in to our first trading segment, and that is the trade strategy segment. Now, first things first, Billy, I'm just going to quickly review. Last week, I went through all the sin bins, and one of the things that I spoke about was that if it continued in the vein that it was going it was going to have huge super coach implications as well, but it also meant that we were seeing the vast majority of sin bins actually affecting Fords. Got another week of data now, and it's really interesting to look at. We're 12 total sin bins, uh, so that was slightly down on last week, but it's still very high. It's still enough to definitely affect things uh, almost one a game. Well, sorry, or almost two a game, I should say. And out of those 12 total, though, 
we had 10 forwards. So lo and behold, it is 100% holding up. Across the first two weeks of this Sinbin carnage with round 10 and 11, we're now looking at around an 80% strike rate of Sinbins taking out a Ford. So very much so. It's the Fords that are going to be affected, it looks like. We've now got two weeks of data to support that. 10 out of 12 is huge as far as your forward pack goes. And we had some big names too. Guys like Lolo going, uh, Paul Vaughan going, and, and Victor Radley going for a couple as well. There were some big names going. Lodge was reasonably owned and he went as well. So definite carnage there. Uh, Billy, you weren't on last week's podcast, but I'm sure that you're on the same vein as me where it's made you rethink you know, your strategy as far as forwards go and getting a bit more worried about them going off to the sin bin and getting those negative stats now. Yeah, um, also see it as an opportunity. Um, like for, for that reason, I haven't grabbed people like TPJ. Um, thinking it, there's now the, uh, the the extra added risk of Sydney on top of um, uh, him possibly possibly playing Origin. So I've started stacking the backs a little bit more. Um, I think I've got sort of six backs now, and going to go another one this week just to have um, um, basically load up on, on the uh, tackle busting sort of wingers if, if, even a lot more than before. Yeah, well, I mean, six out of the eight games uh, actually had multiple uh, multiple sin bins. So we actually had two clean games where there wasn't any sin bins. But 75% of them had two plus. Like, So you, you're going to have most of the games pretty significantly affected. And it's mostly starting players that end up binned as well. So that makes it even more super coach relevant. But I like what you mentioned there because that was something that we said on last week's podcast as well. So it is a really good segue to dig a bit deeper into the, stat, the stack the backs strategy. Uh, which is what we're going to continue on with a little bit this week. So realistically, um, I, I spoke about it a little bit last week, Billy, but I got off the podcast recording and sort of said to myself, I, I'm just, I want to get as many high scoring backs as possible. You know, the backs are going to score the big potential huge ceiling points are the ones that you want, obviously, but there seems to be more of them that can do that now. Having a look at this week's data, round 11. We had 1,500-plus scores, pretty high, and we've discussed before that the scoring's up this this year. Out of those 1,500-plus scores, though, only three of the 15 were from forwards. So you know, 12 out of 15 were backs. That, again, really pushes home the strategy that we need to really refocus and have a look at the back line and have a look at getting purchases there, probably starting less forwards than what we normally would in our 17. Certainly last week I mentioned the reserve off the forwards I'm looking at now. You know, you can even reserve a centre wing. Uh, I'm going to be doing that this week. This week I'm reserving a centre wing, a full back, and, and two halves. And I reckon that that's probably a formula that I'm going to stick with to try and jag those bigger ceiling ones. Yeah, doing exactly the same thing. Um, I did the same thing last week, but it didn't work because uh, I had a bloke like Ikevalu who just didn't get anything. So, but if you had, but if you had a bloke like um, you know, Holmes in there as well and Garrick in there, you can see how the five and six sort of uh, fullback and goal kicking winger sort of strategy really, really, really can sort of pay off. Yeah, and one of the other things that's happening at the moment too, which makes it even more viable to look at this as a full blade strategy and go nuts on it, is the byproduct of the sin bins and and the interpretation changes and what's happening, what we're seeing, isn't just what happens on the field in those games. Certainly, that affects the scoring for those games, and that's what's felt most immediately by super coaches. But what we're starting to see now two weeks in is that the rap sheet of teams put on report, or players put on report, I should say, is actually really big. So all of a sudden, we're starting to get pretty decimated with the amount of players out. We're already seeing it with Origin, where the you know the New South Wales back row stocks are very 
uh, low at the moment. We've just seen Radley's got his five weeks. He was unsuccessful. And Angus has got his two weeks. He was unsuccessful. And when you're looking to trade those forwards out, you know, I think in past years, there was a lot more options. Whereas now, with the amount of guys out, like we've got a Fafita out, we've got an Angus out, and we've got a few other guys out as well, like a Lolo. Um, and there just all of a sudden isn't that much depth. So when you're looking at it, in past years, you would have just got in a different forward and maybe he would have been a few points worse off or whatever, but you still would have been pretty comfortable that he was a gun. Whereas now, you're jumping on guys that you're pretty worried about in those forward spots to, to trade to to get someone in there. And they're not really that great a place sometimes. So it's that's the other thing, I think, with this as well, that we're seeing the forward stocks you know, drastically reduced in what you could do for options. Yeah, you go back a couple of years and you can basically go, you know what, um, Tom Lolo and Joe are around between 400 and 500k available available as backup options now starting um, big minutes to go straight on. But you look at their scores and they're potentially going to get, what, maybe 70, 75, and you think it's nowhere near good enough. Like, you, you want someone that's going to score a, a ton or have a high volatility. So you now you're starting to look, look at sort of backs and halves, like guys like um, sort of Garrick and Hugh, Jerome Hughes, as, as opposed to, you know, the Arrow and Tom Lolo types, which go about 18 months, basically unspoken of. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And I mean, I think that the the other thing that when you dig down in the numbers too, and now again that we've got a couple of weeks of data, but also with the season data, like the season scoring is obviously up and we've spoken about that several times, so we don't need to go into the numbers, but the Fords scoring isn't up hugely. Like David Fafita is a massive outlier, but he's also out at the moment as well, which has taken him out of the equation of getting a few more 40s games that he's probably going to have. But the forward scoring uptick isn't keeping up with the overall uptick in scoring. So what that means is the backs are taking up a lot more of the slack of the extra points on offer than what the forwards are. Uh, and that's a bit more of a concern as well. So, you know, certainly there's been super coach years past where it was kind of always a bit of a, um, a ballsy move for someone to go, you know what, I'm going to chase, I'm going to stack the backs and whatever. And it was always like, oh, that's risky. Whereas now, it actually looks like, that looks like the smart move. Like right now, I'd say the riskiest move is to stack your pack and be looking at reserving two forwards for the safety floor. Because we've already seen the, the swings with the points and stuff. And like on the weekend, the swing for me, you know, I had probably, I was I know I was winning nine out of my 10 head-to-heads and I ended up winning two out of 10. And a lot of those, I was up by, you know, a couple hundred points pretty easily with fairly even number of players and stuff. And it just swung that quickly, just like that, because it was that easy for guys to have multiple guys go to 100 to 200 points each. And it just kills you. So definitely, I think the stack, the back strategy um, is a good one, but you know, you mentioned that you're going for some backs this week as well, Billy, are you going to aim with your center wing to kind of have a fully stack, like sort of seven of them that you can actually use or sort of, Six is your optimal number with enough in there. What are you sort of changing to at the moment now that you've seen a couple of weeks of this? Um, I don't have a number in mind. I'm just purely going, guys, that I think will be massive enough for me. Um, so to answer your question, I'm going to have the full seven, which I'll be utilising, but very, very soon, once once the Origin one is over, I'll probably get rid of someone like, you know, sort of Dane Laurie and sort of uh, maybe Ozarka, but maybe he's a bloke you sort of keep for lower, lower, lower games. But just to give you an example, like, Everyone's got Brian Tuo, so he's one. Uh, everyone's got Dane Laurie, so he's another one at the moment. But I'm stacking it at the moment. So I've got um, Ikevalu in there just to take uh, Brett Morris's sort of scores on the right-hand side. I've got I've brought in um, 
Garrick uh, basically kicking to the 25 points a game and averaging sort of you know 90 now. But I'm also throwing in um, our starter positions on the, on, on the bench. So I started Suwali last week, didn't work. But starting Suwali as well as uh, having um, guys like Laurie versus um, Dragons, I'll start him and I'll, I'll try and get into Holmes as soon as I can. But, and while I've still got Ozarka, like I'll play a goal kicking Ozarka versus the bottom four in team. So I'm just going to try and rotate like that uh, and obviously play the, the, the gun, the guns at the fullback and gun half. And I think the only other thing I'll probably do is probably try and get one. What, what one decent sort of um, dual front row forward and second row forward for the inevitable sort of suspension so that I don't get sort of stuck having to play like a, a Spencer Lini or someone like that uh, for one week because you really don't want to get copped with a, a 20 score like that, eh? Yeah, well, that's the other balance, isn't it? Like, you can focus on the backs as much as you like, but it's it's the type of thing where you could very easily end up with three forwards out in one week and you can't make enough trades to... To kind of do that. So it is a bit of a balancing act, and there is going to be some teams in some strife. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I've got Angus and Lolo out this week now. Um, so that's a that's a huge hole in my second row forward. And I don't really have great, great backup options there. So I'm going to have to trade to be able to get a, a starting three back row. So that's the other risk in it. You can have multiple forwards suspended in one week, and then you're in a, a world of hurt. Yeah, there's some gun pods available though, so um, yeah, I, I highly recommend everyone go out and have a look at the uh, everything below sort of 10%, but there's some real good options around 1% if you can sort of, um, if you don't want to wait until the first buy, or even if, even if you do. Like... Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned Garrick, and we're going to talk about him a bit later, and we're also going to talk about Holmes, so we won't go into the numbers, but one thing that both of those guys do have is the goal kicking, and again, like I don't want to harp on about how much the NRL has changed and how the super coach teams need to move with it. But goal kicking is now even more valuable. You know, like even with bad teams, the, the point scoring... Not for Munster. Not for Munster, yeah, right. Or Walker. <laughs> Settle down. It's one round. No, but like it's, it's just, it's so much more valuable because it, the point scoring is just way up. And we already saw on the weekend, like with that Cowboys game, like the Cowboys were all over them. Like they had those three really quick tries that they scored, and then you sort of thought, "Oh, Newcastle are just going to get slammed here," and they probably should have. But then you know you get a couple of sin bins happen, and then all of a sudden, the Knights score three tries as well, and then it's right back in it. And you're just going to get this machine gun scoring, where there's going to be a lot of points, you know. And you just saw the Panthers put up. 50-plus points effortlessly on the weekend as well. So goal-kicking is starting to look like it's going to be even more valuable. Um, my centre wing at the moment, I've got Hines, Toto, Holmes, Sivo, and Crichton. And I'm looking to add a, a six centre wing there that I can rotate in, which is going to be hard at the moment, so I'm going to have to probably put that on hold. But definitely I think it's... um, I'm much more comfortable having those big ceiling backs. And what I would say is when you're getting those guys in, Make sure you're looking at guys that have actually hit 100 before so that, you know, they've got the ability to hit that big score. And, you know, guys that are actually going to have that opportunity with the draw again to be able to do it. You know, you want to make sure that anyone that can score 150 plus, you want to be having a look at. You know, if you've got a if you've got a guy that can only sort of score 80 or 90, um, he's probably not as high a ceiling priority as some of the other guys because he's not going to kill you scoring that. Whereas if you have... A Valentine Holmes that can score 138 um, or even more so, you know, the, the Brian Toto's and, and stuff that can just get 100 in their sleep. But the Nico Hines, especially the last week, he's now got two scores over 150 in, I think, he's two of his last three starting games or something. Like, those are the guys 
that you want to target. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you can fully rotate them as well. Like you, you can be very, very selective about the games you want them to play. But also, guys like uh, Nico Hines, it, it's a great state. It's a great part of the season to actually own too, because it doesn't really matter if he plays two or three games and then all of a sudden um, Pappy comes back because you're not worried about losing sort of 500k. Like the guy can just sit there and rot and lose sort of. 350, 400k, um, scoring 20 points off the bench, but because you don't need to start him, like you can just leave him there. And the one minute that sort of uh, Pappy is rested or goes down injured, then you, you have him available, you put him straight in, and he scores 150. Yeah, look, it's a, it's definitely a viable strategy. It's not one that I'm going to take, but I, I completely see the merit of it and just leaving him there and being able to rotate him in when he gets to start. I'm going to sell him when he gets, he's going to get to like 900 plus, and I'm, and then he's going to get benched, and I'm going to sell him then, but. Uh, let's get into the actual players. Let's just start going for it right now. And the first segment uh, in our player trading is farming. So our cows of interest, who we're going to farm, who we've got coming. And the first guy is one of the Brisbane Broncos in our cheapy category, and that's uh, Palacia. And I hope I pronounced that correctly, but he scored 81 points on the weekend. And he's a guy that a lot of people are bringing in a week early. 186k, he's pretty cheap. Obviously got a minus 39 BE, which can be deceptive because he's only played the one game. But he threw up 81 points, which got everyone's attention. Now, he did that with 42 raw base, which is great, but also had a line break try. It was a bit of a junk one as well. Uh, so you can very much say that he would have been around a 50, which is still a good score. Um, but one of the things for him is that he's starting for uh, Ricky. And when Ricky comes back, that could be a bit of an issue. So there's definitely already a red flag on getting this guy early. I did ask for Wilfred on his take as a resident Broncos fan. Uh, and he said that, that this bloke, Keenan Palacia, has uh, not played very well in the lower grade. Uh, and he's not completely that impressed by him. And he actually thinks that the, the kid that's debuting this week is actually better. So I'm going to take Wilfred's word on that because I haven't watched much of these Broncos kids in the lower grades before they've debuted. Uh, but certainly I wouldn't be going early on this guy, but a lot of people seem to be. I wouldn't take Wilfred's word for it. The guy held Pappy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cheap shot there, Wilfred. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I agree with Wilfred, with you and Wilfred, mate. I'm no, no interest in him at all. Um, even if he does manage to stick around for an extra game, he's not an extra body that I would want. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a spot that he's sort of taking up um, when they're at, at a premium. So absolute no for me. I'd probably be more inclined to go one of the other sort of cheaper guys available that has a little bit more sort of security. Yeah, and I mean, look, when we're switching it up and going straight to the mids category, got Albert Kelly. Albert Kelly is 304,000, so he's in that mid category, has a minus 2 BE, but he himself has also only played one game. But he scored 71 points against the Roosters and looked quite good. Now, I just want to point out that Anthony Milford's gotten about three reprieves this year so far. This is another brand-new broncos halves combination that we're going to see, which is probably like the fifth or sixth new combination that they're going to use 11 rounds, 12 rounds in. Uh, I've got absolutely no faith at all in Albert Kelly keeping his job long enough to be valuable. He's also playing the Storm this week. So I think that a lot of people with this one, Billy, because there's you know, a fair bit of movement on the trade market with people trading in Albert Kelly. I think that they're searching for a 5-8 downgrade for a Munster. Uh, and Albert Kelly looks like the great ticket to an extra 300k to free up to spend elsewhere. I kind of I get wanting to free up that money. I certainly get getting rid of Munster, but 
for Kelly, you know, after one game, and let's face it, Albert Kelly wasn't setting the world on fire overseas. He, he wasn't particularly looking very good in the preseason. I'm quite surprised that they went there. You know, I I think it's way risky. I wouldn't be doing it, especially for 300k, especially early. Maybe before that round 13 match against the Dragons for that buy round, maybe you'd consider it. But I think you could just find other options that are better at that sort of mid-range price point. Yeah, um, the unfortunate thing is that all the other options available sort of are at the sort of seven jersey. There's not nothing at sort of five eight. Um, I'm tempted to do the same thing, and the reason is because months is the cash that I want to cash in because not playing this week, not playing next week. I know he does come back and plays when the Tigers or the Dogs or something or other, but when months is on fire, he scores sixty five seventy. When he's playing rubbish, he scores sixty five seventy. So. He doesn't have any massive tons in him, so knock on wood, I'm I'm kind of inclined to actually make that trade because it frees up the cash to give me someone that I really want that sounds three quarter. So I think I can make up the points elsewhere, but yeah, it does it does throw a spanner in the works with all right, so post round thirteen, who do you actually play there? Yeah, and look I think it's really and I was having this conversation with one of the listeners that asked me about hooker and I actually said, Look, I wouldn't worry so much about cover for round 13 for hooker if you're scrounging for for guys to come in that aren't very good. If that's the case, you just leave that position for the buy. And I think that six is the same. You know, like, you can easily just not have anyone play at six, and that's fine. No, Like, no one's going to have really a good 17 players for round 13. And we've spoken before that a 13 to 15 is a really good benchmark and numbers to, to sort of hit at that first buy if you really want to make some movement. 16 or 17, you're not, you're not going to be able to do. So just leave it. Like, if 6 and 9 look like shit positions for that, then just don't don't put guys in 6 and 9 for round 13. And I, I think that this is a clear-cut case here where if it, if the option is Albert Kelly, that you just leave it. Like, I, I just don't think that you go there. I think it's more the cash they need rather than the actual player. Like. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go outside of the Munster people, though. Because there's other people that are going to be looking at Albert Kelly too. Um, so certainly with the the Munster freeing up money, but other people that are just looking at a second six, uh, I, I I just hold with what they've got. Yeah, yeah, I can see both sides of the fence. If, um, believe you me, if there's any any way at all, I could keep Munster and and uh, find another way to get uh, the person I want. I would. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm going to give you away, mate. I'm going to give you away to trade Munster out and be happy with your Show purchase. Me money. And that is, this is the next mid that we're going to talk about. Burton at the Panthers. He uh, he killed it on the weekend, and he's much more expensive, but he's still mid-priced. And I would be trying really hard to find the extra 150-odd K. It's not even 150. You know what? 140,000. Try hard to find 140,000 to get Matt Burton in, which is still going to free up 150K for Munster. And you can still do a lot with that money elsewhere. But Matt Burton is someone who is a dual 5'8 halfback, which is handy. He's just coming off a 123-point demolition against Souths where he, he scored three tries. Um, for the year, he's actually scored uh, eight tries. And he's been going solid um, in saying that he has some lower scores in there, 21, 55, 34, 56, but has another ton against Manly at 107. So he's got two tons out of his nine games, which isn't a bad strike rate. And he's also got the Bulldogs coming up this week, so prime trade-in time. Break-even at 22, and then he's got the Tigers and the Sharks. So 
great three-week run, mate. Um, I'm going to say that as a mid, I much like, uh, prefer Matt Burton. I know there's been some talk that, oh, you know, Burton could be a center and in the Origin team, and some people have put him in there as their Origin pick, but oh, I really don't see it, hey. Like, I do not see guys like Whiten, Latrell Mitchell uh, being passed over. I don't see guys like uh, like a, a, a Luai, a Cody Walker, and so forth being passed over as a bench utility if um, for Matt Burton. If, if they're not in the starting side. Like, I don't see how he fits in. I think that he's a massive bolter, and that can happen. We've seen it before. But I think you've got a 90% chance here that he's not going to be in the Origin team. And this is a week to get him in as well. So you're going to have to take that punt. But he plays the Bulldogs, so he could end up with another ton this week. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I prefer him over, over Kelly as well. The, the problem is it just comes down to coin, that's all. It's buddy, buddy tight with the, the old, old budget. I like the... F- fact that he's playing the Bulldogs this week. I like his sort of break here. It's not minus 67. I think it was 22 from memory. Um, I like the fact that he goes to half next week, so he's going to be, you would think, the dominant half versus the Tigers, and then come out the other side and have that sort of Sharks game where you can probably sell him. The cons, the thing I don't like about him is that he had to score three tries last week and have a try assist to score 123, whatever it was. I don't like the fact that he has to score that many tries for that sort of score. The 24 or the 48 scores that you threw in earlier earlier as well, mm-hmm. pretty sure a couple of those were against soft teams as well. So just because it's the dogs and no guarantee he's going to throw up a massive ton. Like he, they, they quite could easily put 70 points on him and he might score nothing. Um, that's my concern with him, and that's the only reason why I sort of ummed and hard about him because uh, it, it just concerns me maybe having a 30 score in there for uh, a position like half. But um, not the worst, but I'll tell you what, he's going to make some coin pretty quickly. Yeah, he'll make some coin. He's got that 123 hanging around in there, and you expect out of his next two games, Bulldogs and Tigers, he's going to have another big score in there as well. So I think at worst you're going to make some money out of it. And, and you're going to get some decent points for a few weeks. And that's that's not a bad worst-case scenario. Um, you do have to outlay a bit of coin for it. I don't think he's the best buy in the world, but out of the 5-8 the guys, I do think that he's the best one if you're looking for a lower lower cost sort of one. And he does also have the jewel there as well, so you could always move him down to half-pack too later on if you needed to sell someone or you needed some cover or something like that. So I, I do, look, if it's him and Albert Kelly, like uh, even with the extra 140k cost, I think it's night and day. And I do think that you can, most teams can find a different second player to trade along with Munster as their primary trade to be able to get someone decent they want with that second trade. Makes it even harder if the option is selling Walker because Walker's got pleated Raiders this week, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, it's it's pretty tough with Walker because I, I'm actually sitting him at the moment myself, and then I just changed it before we started talking to, to playing him. So yeah. it's a bit hard to pick what to do with him, isn't it? Yeah, I'm playing him too. Like, I'd, if you had to pick the two and say, listen, you, you got your last one of bucks, you had, had a bet on who's going to score higher, would it be what the Burton at centre through quarter versus the Dogs or a half against a, a depleted sort of team that's just dropped their sort of halfback? Yeah, it's um, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty tough, tough one. I know and the fact, the fact, the fact that I've got Ikevalo in there as well as well as Teddy, it's really dumb to probably drop a guy like Walker knowing that he's the one that's going to have to throw it out there. Tip, so you're either all in or all out. I don't know. <laughs> well, look, let's let's move on to the last mid on our list for our farming, and that's Reese Walsh. And this one's a lot harder. He's only four hundred seventeen thousand. 
Minus 74 BE, and he is going to have an immediate cash rise, and he's playing the Cowboys. Now, he looks like a phenomenal option. Everything looks absolute gold, almost a must-have looking at the numbers and everything, until you see his position as fullback. Now, he's not going to play round 13, playing the Storm right after that bye period as well, and they're going to be at full strength. But he has gone 129 points on the weekend and 100 points the week before, and he has looked absolutely sensational. And he actually scored that 100 points the week before last in only 45 minutes. He's passing and his playmaking ability at his age in, you know, five games in NRL level is absolutely remarkable. You know, he has looked fantastic. At fullback, though, Billy, I, I, there's no way I can consider him, but can you see any way that a team could consider putting him in at the moment and just saying, I'm going to go for Walshy because he's a pod, he's on fire, I'm going to sacrifice a fullback spot to put him in there and make some point out of it and get some points? 100%, but only if you're one of those few people who have managed to hold Papandreou's and get rid of him and get him in. Yeah, I guess that probably makes it a little bit a little bit more palatable, I guess. Um, you could do it that way. Uh, I just I'm worried not to have two of the the gun scoring fullbacks in any one week. But I guess in the last two weeks, even though sample size is risky, if Reese Walsh keeps going on the trajectory that he is, uh, he deserves to be mentioned as one of those gun fullbacks as well, potentially. Yeah, but look, you're not going to buy a Gus this week. If you've got Pappy, you're not going to play him. If you Turbo, if you don't, you're obviously going to play him, so he's one staple. And if you don't own Teddy, you're not likely to be going to be buying him this week, knowing how bad they've been going. Um, and he's got one one more game before Origin. So if you had to choose between them, between Teddy and um, Walsh, I'd be choosing sort of Walsh sort of at the price and the, and the break even. So yeah, I, I can see very good reason for buying him, but it would only be probably the puppy owners, I think. Yeah, I definitely don't think any of the other owners could could justify doing it. Uh, but he's a really interesting one because he has been going great. Uh, it's just a shame that we can't get him at centre wing, but, yeah, that's fine. Maybe next year we'll get some better jewels. Let's have a look at the quick flip guys quickly. So we've already mentioned Hines a number of times. Um, this is just a bit of a touch base on him because uh, I did say last week when we had the the latest puppy update seemed to suggest that he'd probably be back this week. So I was less hesitant on getting, I was more hesitant, I should say, on getting Hines in. I thought it was okay to get him. I thought it was okay to leave him. We got an 11th hour, Wacko's whispers that uh, Pappenhusen was definitely going to be out for this coming round as well. Once that happened, I sent out the tweet and said, guys, I wasn't red hot on Hines. I thought it was okay. I'm red hot on him now. I think that I have to get him in. Um, I'm going to change my position on it. And I'm glad that I did because I got him in and he scored 138 points. And he's now got 138 at 182 96, 69, and 98 since he's been starting in round seven. And, and that is just phenomenal scoring. It's outrageous. A three-round average of 139 and a five-round average of 117. He's 725,000 coming into this week, Billy, but he's playing the Brisbane Broncos. He's my VC at the moment. And then he's going to play the Titans uh, in round 13 as well in the buy round. Minus 51 B, are you still going to make the cash? And you're going to get at least the next couple of weeks. And we've just gotten a tweet tonight saying that Pappenhausen might be out until around 15 or 16 even. So, you know, Hines looks great as a buy. It looks almost a must-have if you don't look at the price tag. But at 725000 do you think teams should be just outlaying it and spending it? Oh, yeah. 
if he's if he's going to be playing an extra two games with that sort of break even, you just got to do it because if he scores three hundred in two weeks, um, particularly if he if he scores at what one hundred and fifty at the buy round, then you don't VC him. See you later. It's basically four hundred and fifty points. So yeah, I'd, I'd be if you don't own him, own him, I'd be getting him in real quick, even if it's just for the sort of quick sort of trick, um, you know, sort of flick, flick him, but um, for the cash and the points. But um, uh, another point which you haven't mentioned. Pretty sure he hasn't actually scored a try in those two t- two massive scores either. All assists and tackle busts. Yeah, I don't think he has either. Like last week's a good example where when you have a look at it, he's just gone absolutely ballistic in the tackle busts, especially where he had thirteen tackle busts, three offloads, just the one line break and the one try assist with his two line break assists. Like it was his base attack is just outrageous at the moment. Yeah, he takes a run and scores sort of eight points to hit up a couple tackle busts. And yeah, um, yeah, that doesn't update, does it? <laughs> <laughs> we have a two penalties conceded in the three errors last week as well. He still managed 138. Like it's it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah he was on 115. I remember I remember panicking because I knew he had sort of three or four offloads to update, and they probably would have missed two or three um, two or three tackle busts. And he probably had a few. H1s to turn H8s, and so that was without any sort of potential sort of clutch elevation. So, yeah, he, he shot up to 130 plus free pretty quickly without doing much. Yeah, look, I, I think at his price point, you should be prioritising him this week with the Pappenhausen news. He's just the type of guy that you want with that high upside, and he actually ticks every box. You know, the Broncos, Titans, Warriors, Tigers, he could play all four of those games across the next month. He could be you know, the number one player over the next next month of football in Supercoaches. Oh, mate, he's available at centre three quarter as well, and they're in the best team in the comp. Well, sorry, in the second best team in the comp with the best draw for the next four weeks. Just get him. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. You've got to find the money for him, even if it means doing a downgrade somewhere and, and doing some of your purchases around 13 next week. Oh, I think that you need to adjust accordingly to be able to do that now. And like, I will say, like, I wasn't red hot on him last week, but this is what happens in Supercoach, and this is what happens in footy. When guys' opportunity changes, when injury news changes and stuff like that, you know, it, it really, you've you got to be able to just change your view. Like, I'm always very quick to, to change my view on someone if the circumstances change. They change for Hines immensely with the Pappenhausen news. You know, if he was back on the bench this week and scoring 10, 10 points or something, uh, you know, I, I was a bit worried about that. But being able to play him constantly for the next month, that's... That sounds phenomenal. Who do you reckon picks him up? Isn't he? He's off contract this year, isn't he? I think he's going to go to the Dragons. They've already really? told Dufty to leave. They've got an absolute mountain of cash, and look, they've been overpaying bad players for years. So <laughs> you don't think about the sort of money they're going to offer to an actual good player. They're going to offer him eight hundred grand for three years, and then hope he hope he asks for only nine hundred instead of a mil. <laughs> Well, I'm the, not sure he's worth the mill, but I'd tell you what, he'd be worth 800 for three years for sure. Well, the thing is that they've got like they've obviously got a lot of guys coming off contract, like Norman's coming off. Um, they've got Dufty. They're telling that he can leave as well. Like, but there isn't a huge amount of teams in the market for Hines because a lot of teams actually have a fullback they're committed to either financially or because their talent is very good already at fullback. So he doesn't really have as many options as what you would think his talent would suggest. And then you've also got the financial constraints of a lot of clubs as well. So you have to come down to which teams can actually fit him at fullback or, or 5'8", if you'll go there. 
and which teams actually have the money. And I don't think oh, that's a very big list. I think there's probably got like four of them that that can happen at. It only takes two teams to want him, but I think like the kid's an absolute talent. Is going to put some points on the board, so it's only going to take two, mate. Something the likes of sort of Broncos and probably Dragons. Yeah, I think it's out of the Broncos and Dragons. I think one of those two teams are going to be getting him, and it's going to be really interesting watching whether he's um going to be able to maintain that impact. He's he's come onto the scene with these starting games very much like Pappenhausen. Reminds me a lot of him as far as how he's just been in blistering form right from the get-go whenever he's gotten his opportunity. But we do need to move on from farming, Billy. But there was one last guy that was on the list, and that was Brandon Smith. He burned a lot of teams at the start of the year, Brandon Smith. So many people will be off him. But on the weekend, he absolutely carved Canberra. 106 points. Did it in 60 minutes. Three line break assists, three try assists. And before that, in only 52 minutes a game across his last two, he went 63 and 64 points. So all of a sudden, B. Smith has been on the up. Uh, Harry Grant is going to be out, and he's certainly going to be out for uh, the origin period anyway. So certainly against the Broncos this week and the Titans at a minimum, uh, it's going to be the Brandon Smith show. He's got a 25B, only 520K, dual hooker secondary forward. But he could absolutely tear up the next couple of weeks of footy as well, and he is a buy cover. I'm a little bit down on him only because he he has to get bulk uh, try assists and line break assists to be able to get up there. And he has some lower games there. Like he in round seven against the Warriors, he played 58 minutes, still only scored 38 points. You know, he's had those duds in there. So I haven't been huge on him, but he's only a few percent owned. So he's definitely pod territory. And certainly teams are looking at a secondary forward. So I understand why people are looking at him and... Once he hits this week's Broncos team, if he puts up a big score, all of a sudden, you know, he might only make 30, 40K this week, but he could be making sort of 70K the next week and you're on a money maker for a few weeks and then you can punt him. Yeah, I got burnt by him last year, so I didn't bother this year. He's got the potential to be um, not one of the greats, but like a, a really decent or solid sort of uh, SC scorer. But the problem is he's on a really good wicket, it looks really dangerous, and then he comes off. Then you get the shits, and he keeps sort of looking at the clock going, what are you doing, Bellamy? What are you doing, Bellamy? Get him back out there. And then he doesn't come back on until sort of 10 minutes to go and goes ape shit, but it only gets 60 minutes. Um, so even if he does score really well, he's basically just scored 60 points, which isn't the greatest. And like you, like you said, needs the three or four sort of tries just to get to the 100, which I think is too much to ask for a bloke sort of week in, week out. And... Then you then you then you got no idea sort of at the last minute when sort of Grant's sort of coming coming back and named 18th or 19th person whether he's going to come back and stay on the bench or what the minutes are going to look like and all of a sudden you know at the last minute you you'll find that sort of cheese goes to the bench and he comes on for 25 minutes and it completely screws you so I'm going to say no to him I think I think he's a pod but not enough to sort of hurt you or give you enough elevation so I'm just going to not worry about him. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with him as well. Uh, let's move on to the gun talk. Now, guns, we have to just say, pay homage to Tommy and Cleary. Far out. 190 points for Cleary. I, I've never been so upset at owning a player who scored 190 points just because I didn't put the C on him. I was filthy. And Tommy ended up with 159. And I think there were some unicorns in there as well for both of them because... Tell you what, Lua got ripped off and Schuster got ripped off for triassists as well, I thought. So they both got their superstar points, but far out, you know, it's it's really looking like... I think that everybody already had to have Cleary, 
but it's an interesting discussion right now in circles about you know whether the buys are going to matter as much you know with all the chaos and everything do you just write off the buy if you do do you think that it's viable looking at what turbo is doing to just say you know what i need turbo in my side because he's killing it i've got an opportunity to at the moment with you know a, a 700k guy there that i can flip across would you get turbo in now just just knowing that you're just going to be stuffed through the buys and just run the gauntlet because of his ceiling? You know, do you think that he can actually be a buy right now for the guys that don't own him? I would. Mate, you could basically not play next week and get next week's score this week. Yeah, it's it's so difficult to kind of juggle it. I mean, the other thing is as well that with Origin, there's a talk as well that maybe he comes back and doesn't, um, maybe he even gets rested because Manly's been going quite well. But, I mean, Cleary hit a million bucks this week. That's not going to happen. They're only going well because he's playing. They're, they're only borderline in the eight, so I can't see that happening. Yeah. When you look at his numbers, you just, you're trying to find money to buy him. He's an average score a game of 129 turbo, and he's done that across six games. Only one of them isn't a ton. Like, it's... I think that everybody knows how incredible he's gone, but when you look at the numbers, it really dawns on you how much of a must-have he is. Like, one, one score of 68, and then five scores of 116 to 159. You know, like, it's crazy. Mate, you know what I'm really going to enjoy? Watching everyone score up next year with five players around 900k to start the season, and everyone go, oh, oh which one should I choose? <laughs> All available. Well, hopefully that. super coach doesn't. You know, take the easy way out and give everyone an extra 1.5 salary cap or something. Yeah, I hope not. But, mate, can you imagine the price of Cleary next year? Well, he's he's at a million bucks now, and Turbo will be very close to it shortly. He's 946000 So it becomes a point now where you've got to sell two very good players to get Turbo in, uh, knowing that he's going to miss next week. But he's coming up against Newcastle this week. I couldn't say to people not to buy him for a Newcastle matchup. I think a... Um... A 100-point average pretty much is a million bucks, so you're going to have three or four players at that price point. Yeah, you really are. It's it's going to be incredible. Uh, I'm I'm filthy that I didn't go turbo. Um, I, I went, obviously had Gutherson, and I stuck strong, and he actually has scored really well, but not having turbo has killed me. Um, so I'm going to have to really look at fixing that pretty soon. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> uh, let's just get off the, the Cleary and turbo homage and talk about some actual guns that you might be able to afford to buy. Valentine Holmes we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, but not for a few weeks. Uh, and he's come out and had a massive score in the weekend. He was one of those 15 players and went ton, but he went massive ton. He scored 138 points and he, he's been looking good, but not scoring as well the few weeks before with a 62, 50 and 63. And then all of a sudden Valentine Holmes gets his try, gets 138 points heap of goals in there, and he just looks absolutely primed for this week against the Warriors. BE of 19. Doesn't play around 13, Billy. He's going to play Origin. But 595,000, he's a cut-price guy that has a really good ceiling, and most of his um, tr- uh, most of his points are actually really good week in and week out at centre wing. So I've liked him for a, a buy before, but now that he's shown this type of upside and he's on a bit of a roll... I really like Holmes as a centre wing option. If you've obviously got the the guys like Toto and, and Hines in there already, he looks really good to me. Yeah, agree. Um, the only caveat with him is I don't think he's sort of good enough to sort of want to buy this week. I think he's one of the guys you'd probably wait till 
maybe our 14. Um, he does have massive scores in, but I don't think he's going to have uh, massive scores as, as, as much as some of the other guys uh, available in that spot. So, yeah, for me, probably wait till R14 and sell the likes of sort of Laurie for him if you really want to. Yeah, it's probably pretty good advice, to be honest. I think that he will go this good this week against the Warriors, but, you know, he only scored 62 against them in round eight. Maybe it's going to be a similar type of out, output, and then you can grab him from the Manly game. He's got Manly in the Sharks before that next buy and origin game that he's going to have. Um, and then it's a bit of a tougher run. So I guess the problem is we're getting him in 14. After that buy in round 16, which he's not going to play, he's going to have a really hard run where he's got Souths, the Roosters and Storm. Um, he, I mean, people could argue that Souths just got towed up and the Roosters aren't as good as what they were. Fair enough, but it's still three top five teams at the moment that they've got in a row. I would probably look at even selling him for that if I couldn't bench him. Um, so if you're not getting him for round 12, it's I think it becomes a little bit hard. Like round 12, you can at least get him for three good games, sell him before the round 16 buy, and make a bit of money out of it as well as the points. Um, or you could have to hold him the way through and, and get him in a bit later, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't realise that sort of draw was coming up for him. So, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't even bother buying him until sort of post to the R18 now. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can go either way on it. I, I think that he warrants a, a bit of a discussion, though, for people to think about yeah, it. But I think, uh, yeah, I think there's too many other options that sort of come come out of that. Like, you've got Thompson to come back. You've got those other guys that we talked about half a dozen times already. I think there's probably a good five or six blokes that you have in front of him at this point. Okay. Well, Jerome Luai has dropped down all the way to 522,000. He's got 129 BE. Normally, you'd say wait, but... Bulldogs is pretty juicy, um, but I think that the biggest weight is the origin. Uh, but people are looking at offloading Munster, and they're also looking at sixes going. There isn't many options, and looking at blokes like Albert Kelly. But some people are on the hunt for a gun, Billy. And if you're on the hunt for a gun six, you know, the last two weeks, Jerome Lewis thrown up his two worst scores of the year with 23 and 41. Before that, he's been pretty good, and he's averaging 70 points for the year. He's got a 128-point score under his belt as well, so he does have some bigger ones. 520k is very cheap for him. He's going to be even cheaper next week, and we'll know the Origin teams. If he's not in the Origin teams next week, uh, he's probably going to be about 475k, and I'd be buying him for that Tigers game. And that might even be a case of teams could wait with Munster, uh, do some other trades first, and buy him next week if they want to be conservative. But if you're really desperate hunting for points... You could always just take the plunge and just go for it now. He's probably odds on for Origin, but he does have the Bulldogs this week. Yeah, true. Um, I'm just not that keen on him because, I, unlike Munster, he, he really needs to sort of do three or four big things in, in the team just to get up to sort of 80 points, whereas Munster can do nothing. Um, I don't agree with sort of holding Munster because um, there's not much value in it at the moment. But even this week versus the Dogs, because Cleary's just been taking the reins and just destroying teams by, um, uh, by himself. Um, I remember being on a pod with you, I think about two or three weeks ago, and we talked about sort of whether whether to VC Cleary, and I said I would never VC Cleary because he doesn't go big enough because he... he, <laughs> he um, I would have been bringing this up, Billy. Yeah, no, no. No, but the reason why I said it is because Jerome Luai takes a lot of the ball. Like, they're split at 50-50, but the last two weeks when Cleary's been going nuts, Luai hasn't been doing anything. Like, Cleary's been completely taking the reins. So while Clear is on this sort of trajectory and just change, change the dynamic of, of that uh, of that attack, 
I'm not I'm not going anywhere near sort of Luai until Cleary pulls back because if Luai starts attacking, then Cleary's going to come back. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really glad that I own him for this week. It's a tough sell to buy him this week, even if you're desperate. Um, and that's why I'm saying like sometimes holding Munster might be an answer because this isn't the best week to be buying Luai. We'll have more information on whether he's in origin or not next week, and he'll also drop some cash. But there's teams that are going to have Munster Billy who might be looking really hard for a six, but they might also have two other guys that they really need to trade. Like, they might be intending on trading two other guys next week that aren't playing this week either to get rid of them. And I do think that's when, you know, if you've got three or four guys that you have to trade, you can just push the Munster trade back. You know, you're going to have other guys you're going to be sitting there as NPRs anyway. If it means that you're interested in Luai and you can make a better informed decision next week, then I, I do think that it's worth holding Munster for the week and reassessing once you know what Jerome Luai is doing for Origin, once you know a lower price point and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'd take that route. I wouldn't wouldn't get him this week, most of the dogs. Like, he could chuck up 130 this week, but do you want to take the game on that, at that break-in? answer for me is no. Yeah, uh, look, I think that he's the second, the second six for sure, but I, I'd definitely wait. Um, I perhaps an interesting one because um, I was really elated that he scored like 48 a couple of weeks ago and then it updated to f- low 50s and I was still happy about it. But Papa Lee at your heels ended up getting some stats on the weekend that I did not think he deserved. But all of a sudden he's on 98 points uh, and had another big one. So I'm going to have to concede that whilst he keeps that starting jersey, he's going to be great. And I'm going to have to look at buying him because I haven't been able to eat into his minutes with anyone else. Um, now he's 744,000, but we've already said that you know a lot of the, the extra stats and stuff aren't going to go to forwards, and you should be investing in backs. But the fact that he's a front row forward, teams are going to have to pay 700k plus in the next fortnight if they want him for that buy. Um, do you think that he's worth it? I'm looking at getting him this week, despite his break-even, just because I want a front-row forward there that I can trust and throw in. Yeah, I think so. The reason is because he's one of those few guys where he's just a class above in that position. I mean, you can say, look, oh, at that sort of price, he might not be worth it. But if your other front-row forward is only chucking like 50 points and it's going to cost you, what, an extra 200 grand to get someone who maybe sort of chuck up 90 and maybe chuck up 90 during the buyers, then... I just think you got to do it. Yeah, look, I, I hate doing it, but I'm going to. Um, and I, I'll say something that I always think to myself as well when I'm doing these trades. Like, I do think that Isaiah Papalia is overpriced. I do think that he is going to go down. I do think that I'm overpaying. But the other option for me, because I need a front row forward, is to get someone in that I'm not going to be happy with and I'm not sold is going to go very well. And some of the worst trades that I ever make every year in Supercoach are the ones that I make where I just settle. If it's a settling trade, that I just settle on someone that I never wanted, but I, you know, it was who I could afford, um, who I could get into a position that I needed and stuff because I didn't want to overpay or I wanted to make this other trade. Those are the trades I'm always most unhappy about. You know, so if I ended up with a, I could end up with a Flegler in at front row forward or something that I never wanted. And then, yeah. you know, two weeks' time, you're just going to hate yourself and just say, I should have bloody just paid the money for Papa Lee, even though he wasn't worth it, even though he's dropped, I still should have just paid it because it was the best option. Yeah, exactly. But think of it like, I'm going to use the old Billy Bean analogy, mate. Think of it, think of it like you're the Yankees, right? When when you get to the point where you've, where you've got a crap load of money and it doesn't matter, you just, 
you know you're paying overs, but you're paying for performance. That's what you're doing here. Um, when you're the Oakland A's, mate, and you're at the start of the season and you have sort of a third of the bankroll, you've got to do what you can. You've got to buy like the flaglers to get you over the line. But when it comes midway through the season and you've squeezed all the value out of what you've produced at a cut, a cut rate at a cut rate price, eventually you have to face the Yankees, and that's what you've got right now. Yep. I'm going to be looking at him. The other front row forward option doesn't play in round 13, but he's been on fire. We mentioned him about six weeks ago. And all of a sudden, he's got even better than what we expected. Luke Thompson, we mentioned right when he was coming back in that he was a real solid option to consider, very under the radar. Um, one of the knocks we had on him was we didn't think that he could score high enough. We thought he might have been, you know, really nice, solid floor of mid-50s, but not many mid-60s. He's now gone 92, 75, and 66 across his last three games. Three-round average of 78, five-round average of 71. So he's blown expectations out of the water. And he's also a dual front-row forward, second-row forward. 540,000. He's not going to play around 13, but he is going to play around 17. So he's another guy that's that's coming up because a lot of people are looking for front-row forwards. We haven't spoken about him for a good five or six weeks uh, Thompson's minutes went down to 46, so that's the lowest minutes that he's played all year. The the weeks before that, 68, 68, 55, 64 minutes, and that was all during the time that uh, Jackson was down, I believe. So there is a bit of a thought train that maybe his minutes are going to be down and that he is going to be that sort of mid-50s to 60 sort of guy. Um, what's your take on Luke Thompson? I think if we're going to regurgitate what we said about a month ago, it was something like, He's a bit of a plotter, Aiden Tolman type. He'll never score a try. And, um, yeah, Jackson's away at the moment and he's going to come back. Well, <laughs> he is a plotter. He is never really going to score a try, although he did. But he never... He's now scored two out of seven, so it's a pretty good strike. <laughs> he does play for the dogs who aren't an attacking team. But they do have good forwards. But, no, nah, look, Jackson is back now, mate. He's, he's in that James Fisher-Harris type category. Um, the bloke is scoring really well, but don't understand why anyone would buy him because he's playing 45 fucking minutes. <laughs> Eventually, he's going to... It was only on the weekend, though. Like, it, yeah. it could be a once-off. I mean, I think that the thing is that he's 200,000 less yeah. than IPAP, right? I think, yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Look, mate, if, if they were playing the first buy, I'd 100%, I'd 100% say, look, get him over IPAP this week. You can buy, buy at value, uh, get what you need, and then come out the other side unscathed. Uh, the fact that he doesn't play that first buy and you've got now got Josh Jackson in the mix and he's not going to score a try every week, hopefully not every second week. Um, I, I think I think the odds are against you now. I, I think if you got him, great. You, you've done really well. But I, I wouldn't be getting him this week, mate. Yeah, he's, look, I think that if you can't afford some of the other front row forwards, like an IPAP, basically, um, I don't mind getting him. And that's going to have to sacrifice around 13 by, but I think with front row forward, because we've spoken about it many times as a position that's probably not very good this year, or not as high valued, I should say, as some of the other positions, I think what you need to do is just have a look at what you sort of want there down the track and not spend too many trades putting guys in and out of there. So if your best front row forwards are Luke Thompson, um, IPAP, and no one else and you've already got IPAP, then sure, buy Luke Thompson um, and just stick with it. I just wouldn't be making many trades in front row forward, I guess, is where I'm getting at there. And I wouldn't worry too much around round 13 for it. I'd, I'd be looking at other positions to get in and out. 
yeah, look, <laughs> just going to go one step further. Like, if you can, ab- if you absolutely have to go in that position, like, I can see why he might be sort of taken on part on him this week. But I, I just think if you can absolutely, if, if you can hold off, you, you're probably better off just waiting and seeing what happens next week and it, use the coin that you can get next week for properly or um, wait and see if TPJ gets named and get him because he's a jewel. Um, lots, a few people have Welsh, so you can wait a week and cash out on him. I just think there's a couple more options, but you should, which you can probably take. So if you just wait, sort of, you know, seven days. Yeah, look, he is definitely better as a post round thirteen trade. That's for sure because he is going to play the second buy. Um, so if you don't have to do that trade now for your front row forward, just don't do it. But if you do, uh, he is an option. He has been for a few weeks. Uh, let's talk about our bargain bin. So going right down to the bottom of the bargain bin, we've got this guy that used to be a pretty good super coach option for a little short period called Billy Kickow. And this year, I'm just going to say outright, he's been pretty shocking for super coach, but we always knew that was going to happen because he's only playing 55 minutes a game, which means he's only averaging 56 points a game, which since he's been starting, that's his worst season to date. His PPM's been actually the best that he's ever had. It's just that his minutes have been down. Now, Billy, I know you're going to rubbish me on this, but I'm probably going to buy him this week, and I'm going to sell to you why. I know that you hate him. I know that you think he's not very good, but I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do it. $402,000 is not much to spend. My budget is probably about 403000 for that second row sports spot, and I've got a player this week. So he's right on the radar. His scores have been terrible. You know, he's got a three-round average of 51, a five-round average of 46. He scored tries two out of his last three games. They went 58 and 54 in those. But big selling point for me, okay, he scored a double at the start of the year against the Bulldogs, and he scored 123 points and absolutely ripped into shreds. That was round two. Absolutely destroyed him. Uh, in round four against Manly, scored a double, 92 points. Same thing happened. He's playing the Bulldogs this week. And then in round 13, he's playing the West Tigers, someone else with a notoriously weak edge defense. And in round 13, he's also going to have probably Yao out. Uh, most likely, definitely he's going to have Capewell out and possibly Liam Martin as well. That's all three other back rowers out, which means he's probably going to be approaching an 80-minute game potentially. And all of a sudden, playing the Bulldogs, which he scored 123 points on in round two, and then playing potentially 80 minutes in a bye round against the West Tigers at only the small price of 400000 this week, I do think that he's a bit of a bargain. You are going to have to flip him later. He is unreliable. But in saying that, I'll, I'll probably just leave him there, I reckon, and he can just rot as my worst second-row forward as well. And because I'm purchasing him for 400000 I think that's okay to do as well. So that's my sell on you for, for Billy Kickout, Billy. What are you going to say to me about it? Yeah, mate, I agree with you on that one. I think um, if anyone can do a double or a single versus versus the dogs, it's him. And he's got then he's going to have those increased minutes for that buy round. Um, surely he plays 80 minutes with at least one of those blokes out, and you're likely going to have two, probably three. So two good rounds there. You'll probably have a, a low, low break even, and then one of those guys might even be rested. So could have um, could have three games under his belt for you. Yeah, and look, round 14, he plays the Sharks, which is a pretty good game for him as well. I I did have some people um, ask about it, some listeners ask about it on Twitter as well, uh, and one of the responses from a couple of people was, oh, but is it going to really be worth a second trade? And you know, my response was, look, I'm, I'm worried about burning trades as well, so I'm just going to keep him. 
And I think that that works if you're getting guys at a low price point. Like if you're only paying 400k for a Billy Kikau, you can afford to just sort of keep him there. And it's not like they're a massive AE nightmare. Like he's going to have like scores of 40 and stuff, but that's fine as an AE. He's not going to have a score of 10. So you can just sort of leave him there as your worst second row forward option, I think, for the year. And just play him for head-to-head matchups as well when you need to, when he's got some other good ones down the track, you know? If you if you had the choose back, would you take him or um, Burton? Ah, oh, two pretty different positions. Like same price point, but no one's going to buy both of them. Yeah, it is the same price point. Look, I I would I would take Kikau because there's you know you've got more positions in second row forward. You've got six positions there to play around with, so I don't really care if I burn one of them on having Kikau sit there and not use him very much. I'm going to care if my second. Back and we spoke about backs having the bigger, you know, ceiling. He's sitting there and wasted on Burton, and I've only got one to sort of use. Yeah, fair enough. Let's move on to the last part of the trading, right? Pods. This is what everybody wants to talk about. We've got two pods to talk about. We've got our pod of the week, and then our big balls pod, the risky one. And I tell you what, they're both probably pretty risky. But Ben Hunt, I really like him at the moment, and I like him because he's only four hundred sixty thousand. And I can put him at either backup half or at hooker, which is quite handy at the moment. And I can do that for round 12 against the Tigers, which is a nice matchup. But he then plays round 13 in the bye round against the Broncos, provided he doesn't make origin. And then has the Bulldogs and Canberra and the Warriors. So very quietly, St. George Illawarra, a lot of astute super coaches have realised, has probably the best draw out of anybody coming up. They're, they've got a phenomenal draw. And Ben Hunt has actually been scoring pretty solid. He's gone 58, 55, 69 in his last three weeks. Uh, he's got a big ton of 116 against the Cowboys in round two. 62 points a game in his seven games. So he's gone solid. He's pretty cheap. And he's likely to have a big game the next few weeks against the Tigers, Broncos, and Bulldogs. So when I'm talking about um, if I needed a halfback, if I needed a, a hooker, if I wanted that cover for round 13, um, he's certainly a big pod watch that could throw up a ton in the next few weeks. In fact, I would bet that in the next three weeks, he does put up a really good ton one of those games. So I quite like his numbers, Billy, and I quite like him as a pod if you really need a half or a hooker. Yeah, I had him pencil in too. The draw is epic. I'm just probably more disappointed that uh, um, someone like Lomax isn't available as opposed to a Hunt, because Hunt's, Hunt's the sort of guy that you're probably going to have to burn a couple of trades on to get maybe three scores. And if he only throws up 60, you'd be pretty disappointed with that sort of draw, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. Although, I mean, I can't see him not doing a 65 average over the next five weeks. Like, yeah, but you want, more than that. you want more than that, but you don't want that. Yeah, but, I mean, he's only priced at 460K. 65 average is about 550. So you're still getting really good value there. Yeah, but the, the thing... Look, you look at the draw button and think, oh, that's an epic draw. I can play him for three weeks. But we're this far into the season, though. Do you even... Who are you going to have to draw for him? You're going to, you're going to have... Um, everyone's got two gun fullbacks, all right? You're going to have a gun, an extra gun second row. You're likely going to have an extra gun center through quarter like Holmes or Garrick or someone in there. So who's the fourth person that you're going to drop in order to um, play? Well, I, I, there's no way that I'm doing Ford's... Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't reserve a second rower in my Fords. There's no way. Like I'm, I'm all about. Really? Yep. I'm all about reserving halves 
and fullbacks and and all backs with how the points are going now. Like that was like we said at the start, the segment at the start. Like I want to limit the forwards that I'm playing in my reserves. So Crichton, Tohu, Harris, Dave Fafita, and you had like a fourth one, like you know, some Madison or something. Like you wouldn't play one of those guys. Well, I play the first three because they're the top three at the moment. Um, the fourth guy, I mean, this is the thing with secondary forward, right? Like, if you've got a Lolo there, you know, do you bench a Lolo for a Hunt who's playing maybe the Broncos? Yeah, I probably would if the matchups coincided. I see where you're going. It's a really soft draw. I'd just be super concerned about sort of playing. But it might be a 50-50 call for three weeks, but after that, you'd have to shut it down real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's definitely for a bit of a run. Like, you got that probably five weeks even until the next buy. Um, I think that you can just sort of hope over the next five weeks that you jag a ton or two and then just sort of sell him for that round 17. Uh, that's sort of, I think that's a ticket with him. Uh, if he didn't provide that round 13 cover, I don't think that he would have been as much of a, as much of an option. Um, and still, like, there is a chance that he makes the Origin team. I don't think that he will, but some people are talking about it being a bit of a chance, especially if Harry Grant maybe isn't healthy for Origin. So if that happens, it really screws it. I got this other guy as a, a riskier big balls pod, but you seem already sold that he's a gun, and it is something that you do, Billy. You're you're a loving man. You fall in love with players very quickly. It's a very intense affair, and sometimes it drops off very quickly too. You seem to have thrown Ruben Garrick into the gun category very quickly. He's averaging 72 points a game now, but he has been absolute dirt in the past, and he does cost 620000 so he's very expensive for what he's done before. Last two seasons, basically as an 80-minute player, he's gone 41 a game and 52 a game. Was goal-kicking. This season, he's gone 72 a game, and he's actually got three tons to his name. 113, 105, and then in round 11, last round, 128 points, which is his career high. Now, he's been going great guns. He's got a pretty average base at 26, but obviously has the goal-kicking. His form has coincided with Turbo going great. It's also coincided with Manly on a resurgence. I understand the interest. Uh, I'm not as enthusiastic as you in, in declaring that he's one of the top centre wings. Yeah, but he's kicking 25 points a game on average now that Turbo's in. So basically you're getting 25 free points without him even sort of doing anything on the field, um, which for Cerner three-quarter is basically halfway to sort of the, the promised land. The fact that Turbo is actually going ballistic, ballistic he, but he's not on... Last year he was on the right-hand side. This year he's on the left, so he's on that left-hand sweep, so a lot more attacking stats that side. So basically between goal-kicking and his just ordinary base, you're getting 40. So you're getting 40 points for him just for, just for turning up on the park. All he has to do is catch one and fall over the line every second game, and there's his sort of 70 average. But um, his average is actually more around 90 month for, since Turbo has been playing. So his average purely when Turbo has been playing and, and line that up against the rest of the, the rest of the service recorders available at his draw in there. Um, and the possibility that he'll get you up the ladder at sort of 4% owned, that's just the appeal for me. Yep. No, look, I, I, get, the, I get the appeal. And, you know, I'm interested as well. I guess I'm not just, I'm not uh, as sold that he's 100%, you know, going to be one of the gun center wings that I'm going to want for the whole year. Um, but I am definitely considering him. The, the price point is a sticking point at 620000 I'm not sure I want to pay that. Um, I do, look, I do think that Turbo coming back makes a difference, but I hear this a lot with a lot of the Manly guys. You know, Turbo returned and 
you know, they're killing it since he's come back and stuff. You know, I have to say their draw since Turbo came back has been pretty good. And especially for Garrick, it, that helps that he's had a good draw. Like, you know, since Turbo's been back, he's had the Warriors, the Titans, the Tigers, hard run against Penrith, the Warriors, the Broncos, and then an absolute smash up against the Eels on the weekend. You know, the, it's two out of like seven games that have been tough and the other five have been pretty easy contests. Think of it, think of it this way. Everyone's got Brian Tua for one reason. Why? Actually, two reasons. The amount of hit-ups that he does um, and and for his tackle-busting ability. The, the bloke has, you know, sort of 12, 14 points in tackle bust per game. This bloke here has basically twice that in goal-kicking. So that's just the reason why I like him, mate. Just the goal-kicking alone. Yeah, look, his goal-kicking's been good. Yeah, I mean, look, I I have to give a shout-out to one of the listeners on um, on Garrick because someone brought him up as a really good option uh, maybe sort of uh, a month ago. And I kind of said, look, I don't I don't love it. Like, it's I see why you're looking at him as a pod. Um, I get it, but, you know, it's he's had a really bad career. Like, look at his scores last year. Look at his scores the year before when Turbo was there. He's averaged 52 and 41 points the last two years. I think it's unlikely that he's going to have heaps of tons coming up um, because he came off a 113-point ton when we are having that conversation. And he's gone really well since that condo. He went 105, 40, 65, 92, and 128 now. So certainly he's looked better than what I thought. So shout-out to that listener. I can't remember their name, but they did call it out a while back and ask me about it. They'll know who they are. So shout-out to them because they, they pulled it out, and I think that they went for it, which is great. Um, like This is the other thing that makes me... Again, I'll bring up that... I'm happy to change my mind if situations change. You know, when you look back to six weeks ago, you had Jorge Tafua that was meant to be returning, um, and he's all of a sudden he's, he's nowhere to be seen when he was meant to come back sort of four or five weeks ago. Um, you also had Garrick only about six weeks removed from being talked about in transfer rumours or being released or being offered over to St. George Illawarra a bit before that and stuff and being on the nose because he was being dropped last year for his defence and stuff. Like, none of it sounded very good for Garrick. And then you fast forward a little while and all of a sudden, you know, Manly's going great, everyone's happy, they're loving Garrick on the wing, uh, Jorge's nowhere to be seen and there's a lot of situations that have changed like Suli as well. I was worried about Suli coming back into that back line, Suley's on the bench playing like 10 minutes a game. Like he was, they're paying him like 600 grand or something this year and he's not even playing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cut him back at the training on time from the Corso. <laughs> well, look, it's all pointing to Garrick still doing it. I'm going to have a look at him round 14. Um, I think round 14, they've got a pretty good run and you, you'll get him for the for the buy. But he's definitely a pod that's worth considering and he could go along with it. Like Billy said, his goal kicking is giving us a lot of points. Let's do our quick TLT roundup. Now, first game up, we have the Broncos versus Storm. Not exactly a pearler, but, you know, the Broncos did put in a good performance last week. So maybe it'll be a little bit better. The Storm are a little bit injured. We're going to go straight to the VC and C options in this one, though. Even though Tavita Pango Jr. had a big game last week, he's a definite start, a definite look if you don't own him. Probably not a VC, but a guy that is a VC option is definitely going to be Nico Hines, still starting at one, coming off 132 and 185 his last two weeks. I looked at this, Billy, and just said, VC, Nico Hines on Tuesday morning, and you know, haven't looked back since this morning. It's just going to stick there. If this was last week, I'd probably see Hines straight up, but... Going back and looking at Cleary's scores now and having seeing what 
was it 75 or something was the lowest of the season. Insanity. I can't do any. I, I, I couldn't straight out see, see Hines, but um, VC for sure. Yeah, it, definitely big VC option. And I will say a smoky one is if you did end up getting Jerome Hughes in, uh, or you were looking at Jerome Hughes, he's a bit of a smoky VC as well for this one. He could go really well. Ah. Could be a smoky, but I don't think he scores anywhere near what Holmes probably does. So you you wouldn't take one over the other. Oh, he's had some he's had some big tons this year. He has he hasn't scored 150. Bucks. Yeah, he scored 144. It's pretty close. That's <laughs> less than 100. That's less than 150. Hey, I got a question for you. So Nico goes 150, right? Do you loop, or is that not enough for Cleary rest of the talks? <laughs> Far out. That's a good question, and I really don't. <laughs> I think I think you have to loop 150, but far out. I think that the odds are clear he breaks it again. <laughs> I reckon you probably need to put a floor on your um, AE for that. Like, if you can put a floor of 30 on it from Spencer Lunia up there, whatever you call it, and guarantee Simpson's not going to play a five-minute cameo, I probably would, but if not... For the top sport bet of the week... Uh, Billy already mentioned that um, Nico Hines hasn't hasn't been scoring tries despite his big scores. So I reckon against the Brisbane Broncos, who love to give points up to fullbacks, this is a great week to get on Nico Hines. Dollar eighty eight on Top Sport. I'm all over that one. Lock it in. Next game, Cowboys versus Warriors. Billy, there's a, a lot of players of interest, but I don't think there's any real C or VC options this week. Although somebody could make the argument that. If you don't have, assuming you don't have like Nico Hines, that Val Holmes off last week's performance could be a VC option because you'd take a sort of 140 odd points and, and potentially loop that. Yeah, you could. Um, I don't think he's a VC option, but probably more of a more of a betting option. I'm not sure what you would go though, like him to score a double. I, I don't think you can bet on on try assists, which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, no, not there yet. Um, I do like that the top sport bet of the week that the Cowboys you can give uh, plus ten and a half points and still get a dollar sixty three on them, uh, and I think that's going to be pretty decent there because it's going to be up at Country Bank Stadium. So the Lions have actually been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, been really good. Hey, it's been really good value on the Lions on top sport. There's not really a huge amount of options in this one, so let's move straight on to the Tigers Dragons. Talking about not a huge amount of options, I don't think there's any uh, C or VCs in this. I'm just going to quickly mention that. I'm expecting Luciano Leilua to go well in this one, and I reckon we're going to have another big Adam Dewey performance, although I'd much rather he was at six. Both of those guys I'd really like to have on this one, remembering that old Luciano loves to have the revenge game against the Dragons, boys. Yeah, I think if, someone, if someone's going to bounce back at the Seattle Centre three-quarter spot, it's probably, um, probably Dewey. Um, he still scored pretty decent last week for a guy that didn't really have much ball. 45 points, 45 points, and he got absolutely no ball to the point he was throwing his arms up in the air because they weren't giving it to him. Oh, blame the coach, mate. <laughs> He's the one that put him there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just hurry up and release Empire so he can get Dewey back to six. <laughs> David Nofaluma on top sport is $1.70. Been scoring a heap of tries lately against the Dragons at Bankwest Stadium. I really like that one. Um, I think that the Tigers actually a dollar fifty-five, a pretty good money against the, the Dragons this week. This next game is going to have a lot of options: Panthers versus Bulldogs. And I, honestly, like, just just get straight to it. I don't think there is any way that anybody cannot have the C on Cleary. Like, you just cannot risk it. One hundred and ninety and two hundred twenty-five points the last two weeks coming up against the Bulldogs at Penrith's home ground. Like, surely. 
like there's going to be people that try and be too clever and say, well, you know, Cleary's being captain by 50% of Supercoach. I have to not do it. No, <laughs> you just can't risk it, can you? Have they had any games that are away from Penrith? Dead set. Every time I turn on the TV on Friday night or Thursday night, every game is at Penrith Stadium. You know what? Like, I thought it was at Penrith last week, but it was actually, I think it was at Dubbo. Um, and it just looked like it because it was all Penrith supporters everywhere. Right. Didn't know that. <laughs> oh, they're, they're just loving them everywhere. But serious serious question, though. Like, can you, do you think that there's any argument that anyone could make it all not to have the C on Cleary this week? Yes. You're insane. <laughs> That's not a valid argument. Uh, for the betting, you can get uh, Penrith at a dollar one <laughs> on Top Sport and pretty much everywhere. The lines are incredible. Minus thirty five and a half points for a dollar ninety. I don't think you don't see this hardly anywhere with a team. It just shows how well Penrith are running. But if you look at some of the try scorer markets, you can get a little bit more value. So to score a try on Top Sport, uh, Brian Toto is a dollar forty five. You know that's low but I actually think it's decent. But I tell you what, if you want value, Billy, Nathan Cleary just scored a hat-trick the other week, and he backed it up with a try again on the weekend, uh, and he's $2.12. $2.12 for Cleary or $2.13 for Billy Kikau. Those are huge value bets on top sport for this week against the Dogs. It's value for Cleary, but I'd I'd be more curious to know what people like sort of Kikau and Cleary are for a double or or a luai any time. Yeah, I don't go for the crazy multis here. I don't want to recommend people throw away their money, but um, there's going to be some big odds for those ones too. They, they... That's what I'm. That's, that's what I'm here. You weaklings, all or nothing, all or nothing. <laughs> Your eels play the rabbits this week, mate. Um, you... No multis, no multis. <laughs> are you scared about the bounce back from the rabbitos after they got smashed last week, or do you reckon that that um that bodes well for your boys? I reckon the I reckon the rabbits should be fearful of the eels bounce back, mate. <laughs> 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 well, look, it's uh, obviously we've already said that Cleary is a moral for the captaincy, but you know, if for whatever reason you were going to do it, um, you know, I in, insanity, yeah, yeah. If you're insane, I don't think there's anyone in this game that really you could do it with anyway. I mean, Gutherson's got some big scores. If the Eels do what Penrith did to Souths last week, someone like Gutherson could go 140. Someone was someone was only just saying this afternoon that what um, was it Michael Blake led in what three tries down his side and is now up play, allowed to play again up against Latrell Mitchell's preferred attacking side. So yeah, if you're only, he he would be the uh, captaincy choice in draft that's for sure. Yeah, look, Latrell could have a big game this week. He he's a real smoky um, as far as pod options, because nobody owns him now, because he's only just come back for the one game, and he, he's potentially going to play Origin. But he's a real smoky. If you've got him, he, he could have a big week this week as well. It is Indigenous round. He really gets up for those rounds. He's really pumped for him as well. Could, so, could also yeah. get four Simmons, given how pumped up he gets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't really played much under the new rules, aside from the weekend. So, yeah, that could happen as well. As far as the, the betting goes, it's a real hard one. You know, your eels are actually outsiders at $2.20 on top sport. I really like giving them an 11.5 start where you're going to get $1.78 for them still. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be taking that one. Oh, hell yeah, I'll take that. But they're supposed to be good at their defense, but can they be a hit and miss at times with, uh, when, you, when you're up against someone like uh, Trebojevic? Um, yeah, it seems like a half-decent bet. They got Cam Murray back, which could be good for our uh, our origin team. But let's move on to the next one. Uh, very quickly, the Roosters versus Raiders. I think that 
if it wasn't for Nathan Cleary going ballistic all the time, that I could just about put the C on James Tedesco again. He ended up scoring close to a time last week, 75-point first half, and then obviously it was all chaos the second half. So I don't mind putting the C on him if Nathan Cleary wasn't playing. Obviously he is, though. So, I mean, if you don't own Nathan Cleary and you have Tedesco, yeah, I think he's an option. I think t- Teddy's going to go well again this week. He's actually averaged a ton the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he will too. It's frustrating because he was, it was actually around an 80, 85 point first half. Um, I remember I was doing the math beforehand, thinking, oh, they missed a few TVs and, and offloads here. So once these update, it's about 85 points. So he actually only scored about, what, uh, 10 points in the second half, which was frustrating. Oh, it was. It was such a bad second half of footy. It was really tough. I, it was very, very hard to watch as a Rooster supporter. Um, but I digress. Top spot better the week for this one. I do think the Roosters are going to get it over them. I do think the George Williams stuff is going to affect the Raiders, and they haven't been playing well. And how they... Look, didn't the Raiders play terrible that second half last week? Like They just rolled over against the Storm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I think um, I'm going to jump ahead of you here. I think uh, Ikebalu for a double or a triple got me some mark, market value there. Well, Ikebalu is a dollar sixty-four any time, and Tupo is a dollar sixty-eight any time. Both of those are phenomenal odds uh, for the Roosters, who are probably going to put on points. You can also get the Roosters to win um, minus eight, eight and a half points, so they're just going to win nine plus. And you're going to get a dollar sixty-three for them as well, which I think is phenomenal considering the turmoil that Canberra's in at the moment. I do expect the Roosters to have a good showing this week as well, although they are going to be down on Angus Crichton, which is going to hurt. Uh, the last game of the round, Billy. The Knights... Uh, sorry, second last game of the round, I should say. Sharks versus Titans. This one here, I don't know how to nicely say it. Um, nothing really of interest for the Sharky side, but on the Titans side, David Fafita's returned which is absolutely massive. The Sharks are a prime matchup for him. He is going to be playing Origin. He's going to be out next week. But could a sneaky move be just grabbing him and putting him in here because you've got maybe an Angus Crichton that you've got to trade out who's worth you know over 600k and you could easily do it? Like If you're hunting for points and you've got bulk bank, which is a few teams that are, would that be a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, a move to sort of get a pod player in early? Normally I'd say yeah, but probably not this week. He's got a high break even. So if you just go a uh, an Origin player, you're going to get uh, 65 points this week, 65 points next week, um, which is basically the same as what Fafita would get if he went absolutely mental and scored 130. It takes the risk out of the equation, then you can easily sort of get him next week anyway. So you're not really losing anything, particularly because you're not going to captain him either. So um Take the risk out of the equation, just get him next week. I don't think there's any real need to, to buy your stack on him. Yeah, look, I, I'm going to say that if, you're, if you've thrown the buy out the window and you don't care about it, and there's plenty of head-to-head teams that, that have done that, I think that doing an Angus Crichton to a Fafita is a very viable option for this week, and it's a bit of a pod move. On the top sport, bet of the week, I'm going to say the Titans win on the back of a Fafita try. Knights vs. Eagles is the last game. This one's up in Newcastle. We've got Kalen Ponga back for it. Uh, huge game. Kalen Ponga versus Tom Trevojevic. Two guys that are definitely week-in, week-out captaincy choices. It's just that Cleary has been absolutely ridiculous in how good he's been. But Tom Trevojevic has been as well. Uh, and the Knights were pretty bad last week. Even with Kalen Ponga back, 
the Knights could still be bad this week against a pretty hot Manly side. If there's going to be an answer to the insanity question of don't put the C on Cleary, is it maybe that people think that Tom Trevojevic can outscore him this week anyway and maybe get 199 points against the Newcastle Knights? <laughs> I do think that if you're a turbo owner um, and you're really, really far behind, like if you're going for overall... Mute me, Billy. If you're going for overall and you're really far behind and you want to try and catch up, um, I could see some argument for going Tom Trevojevic if you think that he can throw up a big score this week against the Knights. And the Knights' defence has been pretty bad. So I'm pretty scared not owning Turbo this week, Billy. Um, and I don't think that it's complete insanity for someone to go that way with how close Turbo has been to Cleary in, in the big scores. Well, I didn't think you'd do it against the Eels, and I didn't think Cleary would do it against South. So, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. It's been crazy. And I I don't know what team's going to turn up here. Like, you know, I've, I don't know whether Kalen Ponga and Bradman Best coming back in is going to make the Knights play that much better. But then again, maybe they'll turn around and, you know, end up giving Manly a real fight. Yeah, I see your point there. Um, it's probably a bit more risk with going him over sort of Cleary. But... If you said that to us three weeks ago, it'd, it'd be the other way around, I would have thought. Well, top sport bet of the week here. Tom Trevojevic is $1.74 to score a try any time. I think that's pretty good value. I'm jumping on Tommy Turbo for that, even though I don't own him. I can own him through top sport bet of the week, $1.74, and I'm just going to do that and finish off this round, Billy. Yeah, it could do, mate. It could do. Um, I hope he goes ballistic because I really want that sort of uh, left, left side attack to work, um, bringing in the goal kicker. <laughs> well, that's another podcast, big fella. Thanks for jumping on. Good luck with your trades and everything this week. Thanks, mate. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Once again, you can obviously download or stream us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or on iTunes. You can also subscribe to make sure you get the episode straight away. Uh, if you are going to gamble, do so responsibly. But remember, our promo code for Top Sport is SC All Stars. Do follow us on Twitter. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. You can get all the podcast updates and everything else and questions that we'll I'll answer all on there as well. But one more week until we're hitting that big buy. We'll have a big chat about that next week with a buy round segment. Uh, but until then, good luck with this round. Hope all your captaincy options, which should be clear, your pace off. And we'll chat to you again next week. Hey now, you're an All Star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. And all that is gold. Only shooting stars.